Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Feathers in My Hair. Um, I have to come to you and admit that I am a liar. I know I said I would recap the second episode from last week today, but um, I'm not going to because time just got away from me. I just did not have time to take notes on it. Um, Taking notes makes watching episodes a lot longer. So yeah, sorry about that. But this week I'm going to talk about the newest episode, which I found overall to be good and interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've been enjoying this season of Teen Mom 2, I think. So what's the big news? Baby Lo has welcomed, has welcomed, has entered the world. I'm so happy. He's so fucking cute. It is a boy. He's so cute. As of recording, there's still not a name, which is crazy. But, you know, you do you, Kale. Kale uh, had OK Mag. Well, (laughs) first she had some reporters waiting for her outside the hospital, which, you know, LOL. And then she had OK Magazine come over, like, the first day she was home and do a photo shoot, which is, I don't know, you know, some people are mad about it, but, like, make money, I guess. If OK Magazine's going to pay her, like, $20,000, I just made up that number. I have zero idea how much a tabloid would pay. But, like, if they're willing to pay, like, why not? You know, make money. That baby is so fucking cute, guys. I mean, I'm a baby person. Like, I love babies. But Baby Low is especially cute. He has so much hair. He looks so cuddly. And I love him. And I'm excited to see him grow up with his brothers. He is a cute kid. Uh, the father, Chris Lopez, was in the delivery room. And I think may even be at Kale's house right now. So he is involved, which is great. Um, yeah, and honestly, I'm happy for Kale. She seems really happy. She's happy. She had a good delivery. You know, I think Kale loves being a mom and loves having little kids, and good for her. I think that's great. Uh, What else happened this week? Oh, I beg you all to go to Radar.com, you know, our paper of record, and find the article of Amber hanging out with a new guy. He, they say he's her age, but they don't know anything about him, so I don't know how old he is. He, they are at a zoo. He's wearing they have a video of this. He's at, they're at a zoo. He's wearing a cowboy hat. And <laughs> there's this video. He's like, I don't even know how to describe it. But in the video, he's like weirdly shaking her. Like he has his arms around her and he's like shaking her. <laughs> and like her whole body is jiggling. And it's just so weird and funny. And I watched the video like 25 times yesterday. It was just... I, like, if I could only watch one video on the internet for the rest of my life, like, it might be that video. It's just so bizarre. Of course, Matt commented and let us all know his opinion that he is happy for Amber, but he misses her and loves her, blah, blah, blah. So Matt and Amber are officially broken up. Do you guys want to have Matt on the show next season? 
Personally, I do because I think they have like really found a good villain in Matt. Like, when is the last time Team Mom OG has had like a fucking villain, like a straight up villain? I mean, it's fair and Deb. Liz, come on. Come on. I'm a little off my game today because, like, obviously, Farrah and Deb are the Team Mom OG villains. But I don't know. I don't see MTV letting Matt just, like, get away and not film anymore. However, having Matt film would really be breaking, breaking precedent for this show. So, this show is called Teen Mom, obviously. I sound like an asshole explaining that. But what Teen Mom does is that, obviously, like, all the side characters are important, but it really only revolves around the moms and how the side characters affect them. So we've never seen an ex-boyfriend stay in the show that the mom has not had a child with because it kind of goes against the narrative of the show, right? The show is about to be about supposed to be about these women raising their kids and everything that like comes with that. But what does Matt really have to do with Amber in the format of Teen Mom if he's not with her? So I think it'll be pretty interesting to see if they give Matt scenes next season. Honestly, I'm for it. He's such a fucking sleazeball, gross scumbag. But, you know, as I've said 9,000 times on however many episodes, I think I'm on like episode 30, I honestly don't even know. But I've said it at least 9,000 times on these 30-some episodes, is that I like watching sleazebags and scumbags. What's the difference between a sleazebag and a scumbag? I feel like sleazebag is, like, such a good insult. Like, you're a fucking sleazebag. It's so mean. I love it. And it's just, like, dirtier. It's dirtier than scumbag. (laughs) Anyway, anyways, I'm getting a little off topic. But, yeah, I would like to see Matt continue, although I'm not exactly sure how MTV could justify that in their current Team Mom formatting. But, you know, a rating's a rating. They can mix things up if they need to. So, those are the big Team Mom news items of the week, I would say. Baby Low, well, being, why do I keep saying Baby Low welcoming into this world? That's not a sentence. Baby Low entering this world. And Amber has some new guy she's fucking. You know, because why would Amber, like, stay single and work on herself and do therapy? Why would that be a thing? I mean, I can't get a boyfriend, but if Amber wants to have a boyfriend, you know, like, instead of working on herself and, like, going to therapy and, like, maybe changing her meds and, like, doing that type of stuff, if she just wants to, like, latch on to some new guy, like, you do you, Amber. You do you. Let's get into this week's Teen Mom 2. I want to start with Leah because I think that's really going to bring my energy level up because I have some fucking things to say. So, um, are we all in agreement that we are flabbergasted that MTV is going to make her fucking multi-level marketing scam a storyline this season? Are we all, are we all in agreement here? Like, what the fuck did I just watch? I, I'm floored. I, here's the thing. Especially on Team Mom 2. Team Mom OG shows a little bit more about business. Because Bear is a businesswoman and Amber is a businesswoman. <laughs> but especially on Team Mom 2, we like 
never see anything about businesses. And it's not because they don't do them. Kale is like a whole fucking, oh my God, if you guys have not looked at Kale's Etsy store, ooh, it's tacky. It's like inspirational quotes on mugs. It's very Kristen Doty. Um, it, it's just hilarious. But, you know, a lot of these Team Mom 2 girls have their little side hustles. They have their Instagram ads and the nightclub promotions. And they do, they do their work. But it's really not shown on Teen Mom. Like, we really don't see any sort of outside promotional things that the Teen Mom 2 girls do. Because, as I've discussed before, in Teen Mom 2, I feel like the ha- the fourth wall is only, like, half broken. I don't feel like it's fully broken in Teen Mom 2, so they really don't want to show us, like, the girls having brand deals, from what I can tell. Where in Teen Mom OG, they're a little more open with that stuff. So, why am I watching Leah get pitched in MLL, MLM? And by the way, if you don't know what a multi-level marketing scheme is, I beg you, press pause on this podcast, get on YouTube, put in the search bar, John Oliver. I cannot speak. To, my speech impediment just came out so bad. Oh my God, Shory, if you're watching or if you're listening, I hope you just heard that. So when I, just in case you guys didn't know, I couldn't say R's when I was a kid. And sometimes if I'm tired or worked up, like my speech impediment still comes out. (laughs) And it just did on that. So let me backtrack. Get on YouTube and look up John Oliver, his multi-level marketing segment. It's about 20 minutes long. It perfectly describes why these companies are bullshit I further beg you to Google MLM scams. Uh, There are tons of articles on the psychology of MLMs, how they target mostly women, especially mothers, um, and how they're all scams and frauds and bullshit. So for MTV to be showing this as Leah's starting a small business of her own is so fucking insulting. It's insulting to my intelligence. It's insulting to the audience's intelligence. It, 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 is is an editor like is Leah in an editor's downline like why are we getting this so the Leah scenes start out with Allie at physical therapy and she's like riding this cute little bike it's cute and Leah's talking with the physical therapist or I mean I'm assuming she's a physical therapist I guess she could be an occupational therapist I don't know I'm just gonna say physical therapist because I don't think we were given more information And she's saying Allie needs more help at school this year. The principal told her she's falling a lot, which once again begs the question, why is Allie not in her wheelchair full time at school? I don't understand why Allie is continuously having opportunities to fall down. I I, I don't get it. I I mean, I just I just don't get it. Uh, And the physical therapist like basically is like, yeah, that's why you have to use the wheelchair more. Which, duh. I mean, I, okay, here's what I think is the issue. I think Leah is very isolated in being, and I would say Corey as well, are very isolated in being the parents of a child with a disability, which is kind of crazy because she is basically a celebrity and a national figure and could have access to like so much support, but she doesn't seem to want to be in that role whatsoever. I was talking with someone, Sierra, if you're listening to this, hi, um, I was talking to somebody last night, like, via Facebook Messenger, 
about how I think Leah is just not educated on this stuff. I think she looks at Allie's disability as a negative. I think in their house, being disabled is a bad word, which it's not. I need Leah to join some support groups. I need her to be in parents of muscular dystrophy. I need her to get like six close friends that are mothers of children with disabilities and can kind of lead her. I feel like Leah is desperately lacking for a mentor, but not just any mentor. Like, I think she needs somebody from the next town over, you know, like, so someone from West Virginia who gets her culture, because as I've discussed on this, like on this podcast pretty extensively, especially last season, um, that Leah's culture really influences a lot of things. You know, it's the hillbilly culture. It's the Appalachian culture. I don't mean hillbilly in a disparaging way, but like, that is what the culture is. It's the Appalachian culture. And I think Leah feels talked down to a lot and feels isolated. And she needs somebody who's like 45, who's maybe raised one or two kids with disabilities, who's like on the other end of it, not on the other end, but like maybe has a child that's like in in their late teens or is an adult who can really like hold Leah's hand and be like, honey, ain't nothing wrong with being different. Like, I think she really needs somebody to guide her through this journey because what does Leah know? And I don't mean that like that she's stupid, but what does anybody know about having a child with a disability? You know, you don't know anything. And what you have to do is you have to find resources. And it's funny, I'm actually going to get into this in Brianna's segment too, but this is something that I've noticed in the teen moms. And I think it is something that has to do with being a teen mom in general, unfortunately. And this is a reason that like people are encouraged to wait until they're older because they understand this concept more. But the fact is like none of us know shit about anything. None of us inherently know about anything, right? Like really, what do we inherently know about? Very little. So what we have to do is build our tribe, basically build our group, build a support system, find a network of like-minded individuals or a network of people who are experiencing the same things as you. And Leah, everybody she hangs out with is some other 21-year-old girl. I mean, Leah's 25 now. But like, these are people that don't have kids with disabilities. They don't have siblings with disabilities. What do they know? What can they show Leah? I'm focusing on Leah. This goes for Corey and Miranda too, but honestly, it's just much easier to say Leah. So I hope when I say Leah that everybody understands that I mean really for their entire family. Leah's like, especially that she's on the now. Na- look, okay. I want to clarify myself. I'm not saying Leah needs to be a spokesperson for mothers of children with muscular dystrophy. Not saying that at all. She absolutely could be because she has a literal national platform that activist parents would kill for. But I digress. Not everybody has to be an activist. If Leah doesn't want to be an activist, that's okay. But what isn't okay is that she doesn't seem to be looking for guidance from anybody. You know, she does, we see that she does not listen to the doctor and they choose to ignore the doctor. Um, there, what you know, she was having that conversation with the physical therapist, but I don't think that was the right per. She needs a friend. She needs a friend that she can call up and be like, "Allie really wants to do tumbling. Like, should we let her?" And that friend can be like, "You're out of your goddamn mind. Allie can't do tumbling. This is what happened when my daughter wanted to do tumbling, and why I explained to her that she couldn't." I think Leah is just like, she just like has no idea how to 
navigate this situation. And she's overwhelmed because she has two other kids, you know? And she just needs help, and she just needs somebody who's there for her. And I don't think she has that. I think she does have close friends and family, but what do they know about it? You know, she just, she she needs help, and it's not her fault, but at some point, like, it becomes her fault because she doesn't seem to be looking for that help. You know, she could easily join a Facebook group that's, like, West Virginia Mothers of Children with Disability. Like, easily she could i'm sure they have a social worker involved or they did at one point have a social worker involved helping them uh she could ask at when they go to the cleveland clinic and i think that's where they go but when they go to the the hospital in ohio to see dr tao like what is leah doing to make Allie's life better and to make her a better better mother to Allie? i'm not i'm i'm just not sure and that sucks honestly that sucks Okay, so our next scene is the MLM scene, and Leah goes to work out at the YWCA, which, cool, I actually love the YWCA as an organization. My town had one growing up, Um, although I shouldn't say that because I actually haven't looked into what the YWCA has done in, like, the last 20 years, and they could be, like, on some real bullshit, and I'm over here advocating them, but I will say, as a child, the YWCA in my town was great, Um, and, like, budding eight-year-old feminist Liz, like, fucking loved going there because I thought it was much cooler to be at a YWCA than a YMCA. I loved having W in the name. And I did like how MTV kind of, like, actually, I'll give MTV credit here because I liked how they, like, zoomed in on the frame and showed the YWCA slogan, which is, um, which is eliminating racism, empowering women. I was like, you know what? Good for you, MTV. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm actually also, like, surprised to see Leah working out. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not surprised because I know she has been working out. I've, like, seen it on Instagram. But, you know, I think it's good for her. I think I think she probably gets a joy out of it. And I notice she's not looking nearly as skinny this season. She actually has some weight on her, some muscle. Her body looks less sick this season. So she meets up with her friend Liz. And let me tell you, the first time I was watching this, I was only half paying attention. And she said my name. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because I'm really conceited. (laughs) But she meets her friend Liz. And Liz is like, you know, I've been selling that lipstick that doesn't come off. And like, dramatically rubs her lips. And I'm like, oh, just kill me. She's like, I've been selling it on Facebook. And I really think you should do it. We watch like a full three fucking minutes of Liz pitching Leah to be in her downline. And I just, I just cannot believe we had to see that. I just cannot believe it. (sighs) And we're going to have to watch this bullshit all season. And I just, I'm, I'm really not here for it. Our next scene is Leah literally making a live video on Lip Sense. And she puts it on. She does raspberry on the bottom and blackberry on the top. And it's just so stupid and annoying and lip sense is stupid and I'll just buy a fucking color pop if I want a liquid lipstick. Like, oh God, I just, you guys don't want to hear me just like rant for hours about it. Um, but yeah, I just, I just can't do it. So Leah goes to school. She is having a hard time keeping up. Surprise, surprise. And then she talks to Corey and Corey is like, 
Allie doesn't want to go to tumbling. She says she's too tired. And I screamed when I heard this. Like, no shit, Allie doesn't want to go to tumbling. I'm just so sick of them, like, allowing Allie to do whatever she wants in the name of a normal childhood. It just, it just seems really crazy to me. I wonder what Dr. Tao would have would have to say about hearing that she went to a fucking tumbling class. I don't know. So Leah takes all three girls in the car and she's like, Allie girl, you don't want to do tumbling anymore. And Allie says no, because it's too hard. And we get little sassy Gracie. And she says like, you complained about it. Then you quit. She just doesn't want to do it. Cause it's too hard. And I thought this scene was like half and half. Like on one hand, like, I appreciated that Leah was stuck up for Allie and was like, things are going to be hard for her. Like, it's none of your business if she doesn't want to do it. Like, she does not have to go to tumbling. But on the other hand, like, I think Gracie is, like, kind of confused. I think Gracie doesn't fully understand what it means to have muscular dystrophy. And I think this goes back to the fact that they're refusing to acknowledge that Allie's different. You know what I mean? Like, that they're refusing to believe that she's disabled and I wish in that scene Leah had said Gracie your sister is disabled this means she's unable to do certain activities she just wanted to try it but her body is unable to do it you know and it's just I just think Gracie doesn't get it because they don't talk about it enough like I was surprised Leah didn't say like Gracie, remember when we talked about that, how Allie won't be able to do things? Like, it doesn't seem like this is a regular conversation in their house. So, in the moment, I feel like Leah handled it well for the information that she has and how she's raising those kids. But I, I do think this could be handled better and differently. But overall, I was, like, pretty impressed with that scene and Leah's ability to have a calm conversation with the girls. I have seen a lot of growth in Leah. Um only maybe only because we're getting like 14 seconds of her a fucking episode but this scene this season she seems a lot calmer a lot more put together a lot happier um she seems more able to keep her cool it seems like leah is maybe using some of the coping skills she learned in rehab and it's working and you know what like credit where credit is due as i always say i'll always give credit where credit it's due and congrats leah all right, let's go to Brianna next. So Brianna had an interesting episode, which we have not seen any type of discussion like this on Teen Mom 2, except for one time <laughs> when Kale flipped out at Joe because of how he cut Isaac's hair. And she said, oh, that's not a little white boy haircut, which was a lot. And bad, and Kale has a lot of racist baggage, but that was really like one of the only times we've ever seen race discussed and the race of the children discussed. And so, you know, Brianna being added definitely adds diversity to show, and it def- the show, and it definitely adds an interesting layer and topic. So, the first scene is them talking about how Nova wants straight hair, and Brianna's like. Those white girls can't even keep their hair in a braid, which, of course, uh, people on the internet flipped out about. White girls have pretty hair, too. Uh, I will say, as a white girl with the straightest, thickest hair you can imagine, I cannot keep it in a braid. (laughs) My hair does not stay in a braid well. My hair does not hold any sort of curl because it weighs 9,000 pounds. So, you know what? 
Hard agree, Brianna. Hard agree. Um, you know, the criticism is that, like, did she need to put down white girls to lift up Nova? But, like, literally, who cares? Like, Nova is going to have to deal with real issues of racism her whole entire life. So who gives a fuck if her mom wants to put down white girls in this conversation? I absolutely don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. Um, and Brittany, like... Basically, it's like, you know, I'm like, TT has hair like yours. TT used to want straight hair. And so mommy took me to get straight hair and I hated it. And I cried and cried. And I thought it was nice. Like they're really, they're trying hard. And I, I do like that they're acknowledging it. You know, it'd be really easy to just ignore Nova or pretend like she's not saying it or pretend like it doesn't have to do with race. By the way, have I mentioned this before that Roxanne is a trumper? Uh, bad 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 but um I guess that's not <laughs> neither here nor there um but I liked that they were acknowledging the fact that not only does Nova want straight hair but they think that she wants straight hair to look white and because they have racism at play in this world and that Nova's black and that she's gonna have to deal with black it or black issue yeah black issues especially issues that black girls and women uh face so yeah i i really like that she said nova said that she just wants to feel long hair and i think she was saying like she wonders what it feels like to have long straight hair which i can understand and then she said she wants her hair long like a barbie doll which mm, made me sad because she was like holding a white barbie doll when she said it and it just goes to show like how pervasive beauty standards and racism are that Nova Nova's only six. Remember, she's a full two years younger than the Team Mom girls because uh, Team Mom three was on season four. I think Tomlin and I discussed this of sixty and pregnant. So Nova's two years younger than um this than the other kids. So she's young, and it's really it's a shame. It's sad. So we see the family go out to dinner, and it's really cute. Nova's like using a pen to, like, make a beat on the table, and Brittany's, like, rapping along with her. I love Brittany. She's a fun aunt. She seems really close to Nova. I'm sure Nova really values her relationship with Brittany, or at least will. It's really, I mean, it is special that Nova's being raised by three women. Uh, apparently, Nova said to Brittany that she doesn't like black Barbies, which is sad. Um, and then we get a really weird scene. Okay. So, in this scene, all the things they said were fine and legit. But they were all said in front of Nova like she wasn't even there. <laughs> like, I actually for a second was like, is Nova sitting at that table still? They literally talk about Nova like she's an infant and that she does not have any ears. They say, well, Nova's old enough now to understand that she's black. And Nova's old enough to understand that he that her dad doesn't come around. And it's like, yeah, no shit she's, like, able to understand it because you guys talk about it in front of her 24-7. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. I feel like the heart is in the right place, but their execution is not going well. It's just not going well. We do find out that uh, Devon, like, has only seen her twice in six months, but that he, like, does not even check up on her. He doesn't call or text Brianna to see how she is, and that his mom has only seen her three times in her life, which is 
sad and that she's not connected in like basically any way shape or form to Devon's family which is really upsetting and I would imagine like really playing in to the color issues that are going on with Nova but yeah they need to stop talking about her like she's not there and stop discussing these important issues in front of her I just that can't wait till you get home and like you can send Nova to the her room to play and then you can have a serious conversation. It's it's bizarre. It, they talk about her in the third person and you know she is young but she's six. Like she knows her name. She understands when people are talking about her. It's upsetting. I was surprised by this next scene. Which is Devon filming on his own. I wasn't sure how involved he was going to be. I feel like he obviously needs the money because he lives with his mom and he doesn't have a license. Uh, Does he have a job? I don't know. But I was surprised that he's getting scenes on his own, like, with his friends. I was pretty shocked by that. And obviously, like, obviously he needs the money because he's willing to come on his show. That just, like, portrays him as being a piece of shit. Like, an absolute piece of shit. But he needs that 10 grand or whatever MTV's gonna give him bad enough. I mean, I need 10 grand too, so who am I to hate? But <laughs> I I was pretty surprised by that. Uh, so, Devon goes over to one of his friend's houses. And I'm just gonna say it. When he has his hood pulled up, like, he's cute. <laughs> when his hood is down, I'm like, oh, something weird is about his head, but... I think he's pretty cute. So, Brianna, it's hard for him to see Brianna because she lives out in Kissimmee, which is like the boonies. It's like out west. Well, not west from Orlando. It's west. It's out west from where I live, but I don't know if it's west from Orlando. I think it's actually east of Orlando. Wow, direction, direction, I can't say direction talk is not interesting but it's it's not like in Orlando and I think he's living in Orlando with his mom and they live out in Kissimmee which is pretty far I was surprised he said that he really respected their family and loved that he is welcome into their home I was really surprised to hear that and I was like wow Devon's being really respectful (laughs) and Nope, Liz, don't get ahead of yourself because his next sentence is that Brianna won't let him take Nova on his own. And it's like, okay, well, one, like, if you wanted to take Nova on your own, like, you would go to court. Like, you would go to court and you would get visitation. And she would have to. Brianna wouldn't hold all the power. The only reason Brianna has all this power is because Devon doesn't give a fuck about going to court. He doesn't give a fuck about seeing that kid. I'm sorry, I have little to no patience for parents, especially fathers, that bitch and bitch and bitch about not being able to see their kids, but don't do shit to actually see them. And it's like, no shit Brianna won't let you take Nova on your your own, because you only see her two times in six months, and you never even call to check up on her. If you were calling or texting every day to talk to her, you saw her every weekend, like, I have a feeling Brianna would let Nova go with him. I think Brianna is stupid, but I don't think she's, like, vindictive. And I don't think she's interested in withholding him, like, from seeing Nova. But why would she go send Nova off with basically some stranger and some stranger's family? I understand that. Nova doesn't know him. Like, what? 
Brianna's, like, hands are tied, and I really fucking hate a parent that, like, sits there and tries to make it seem like it's basically parental alienation, that they, like, can't see their kid that often, but from my understanding, Brianna would let Devon come over every day if he wanted to. Like, it's that he isn't putting in any sort of effort. So what the, what is she supposed to do? She can't force somebody to be a father, and some guy that comes around two times in six months and never even calls in between isn't allowed to take her kid off. And I, I get that. I support her there. He does say, though, that, like, she needs to have black family. She's getting old enough, and that, like, it's good for her culture. And I agree. And this is also, so when I was saying, like, Leah needs to build, like, a support group, like, this is also going for Brianna. Like, Brianna needs to go befriend some black women and black men and black people and get Nova more black friends, more black close friends. She needs help because she's not black. And it's her responsibility, maybe, to go have Nova join the Boys and Girls Club if it has a lot of black uh, children in there in Kissimmee or join a dance class that's predominantly black or take her like to a black church or do something. She needs to be doing something. You know, the DeJesus women are sitting around and like acknowledging that this thing is going on. But the fact is they cannot rely on Devon and his family. Clearly they cannot rely on them to be Nova's one connection to black culture. They're going to have to step it up. They have to step it up and find black people to be friends with and close friends with so that Nova can have black friends. It's important. You know, they kind of live in the boonies. I'm not exactly sure what the racial makeup is there, but knowing Florida and Florida boonies, I would imagine there aren't that many black kids in Nova's class. Like, she needs to feel included, accepted, and loved. And this is where Brianna has to do more. You know, she just does. Is it, like, fair that Brianna has to do more when Nova literally has, like, black family that she could be spending time with? No, it's not fair, but unfortunately Devon is a piece of shit. So she has to do more. And this is, like, the truth of a lot of these teen moms and a lot of these single parents that it's, like, it's not fair, but it's reality. And if Brianna wants to stomp around and be, like, it's not fair that Nova's not spending time with his family, it's not fair that she feels this way, like... That's not going to do anything for Nova. That just makes Brianna feel better. So, yeah, I would really love to see Brianna and her mom and sister, like, make an effort to have Nova included, like, in black cultural events and just have black people in her life. Um, And if that's not coming from Devon's family, then they're going to have to find it from somewhere else. Uh, My Growing up, one of my best friends was black and had two white mothers, uh, and they... and. One of them was Jewish, the other one was an atheist, and they joined a black Baptist church (laughs) and, like, became best friends with the pastor, who was a woman, who basically became my best friend's, my childhood best friend's, like, grandmother, and was basically totally accepted into their family. She called their family her aunts and uncles and cousins, and, like, these women, I mean, did these white lesbian mothers like feel that comfortable at the black baptist church like maybe not but they made an effort to make sure that my friend had a black family and had black culture and had black experiences and that was important and it made a big difference in her life and you know they did everything that they could it was not perfect and there were still a lot of issues 
but they did what they could. And so I know it's a possibility. I literally witnessed it firsthand with my own eyes and Brianna can do it too. She just has to want to. So Devon comes over to the house, which I will say at least for Nova's sake, like Devon wants to get paid. This is so sad, but clearly he wants to get paid. Getting paid is important to him. So he's showing up to film for Teen Mom 2, and that means seeing his kid. And that's like the saddest sentence that I could ever say, but... I mean, it's not surprising if she's only seen him twice in six months that two of the, well, now three times in six months and two of those times were once MTV showed up. You know, that sucks for Nova. I hate to even say that because it's so sad, but I think it's the truth. So Devon shows up and uh, Brittany goes to pick up Nova. So Brittany and Devon have a little talk and they ask Devon's like, is she excited to be a big sister? And Brianna's like, yeah, she's so excited. So I'm assuming this was filmed out of order. (laughs) Because in the scene for next week, we see them talking about adoption again. But here they are in this scene, like, talking about how excited Nova is to be a big sister. So I guess adoption was already off the table here. Um, Apparently she's due around Yvonne's birthday and that she's going to be a cancer. And Brianna's like, cancer's so emotional. And Yvonne laughs and he's like, yeah, we really are emotional. Uh, He says that it's hard for him to come over because he doesn't have his license, although he's getting it back this year, which seemed pretty vague to me. I'm assuming there's a DUI or something, because why else would you lose your license for a significant amount of time and be able to say, like, I'm getting it back this year? That means, to me, that sounds like he has not had a license for quite a few years. (laughs) You know, like, if you lost your license even for one year, like if you had one DUI and you lost your license, you'd be like, I'm getting it back in six months. I'm getting it back. Like I lost it for 12 months. Like, but the fact that he's talking about having his license back in terms of like a year's length and time, like I'm assuming he's been licensed, license lists for quite a while. But basically Brandon's like, okay, so for my, like, where I'm sitting, like, you don't seem interested at all in your daughter. You're not calling her, you're not texting her, you're not calling me, you're not texting me, and I'm not going to sit around and nag you to do it. And he's like, no, 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 I wouldn't see it as a nag if you, like, text me or called me about it, which, one, that's a lie. Of course he would. There's no way he wouldn't. And two, that's not Brianna's fucking job. Devon, if you want to be involved in your daughter's life, you need to be calling her mother. Like, it's so sad Nova's old enough to talk on the phone. I remember Chelsea was saying this last season, like, when talking about Adam, like, the kids are old enough to have phone conversations now. Janelle talks about text. Apparently, Jace has his own phone, which I guess is just what happens now for eight-year-olds, and she says that she texts Jace every day, and I believe her. Like, you can be in constant contact with a six- to eight-year-old. Like, it, it might not be the best conversation to ever happen, but there's no reason that Devon can't be calling Nova to talk to her all the time. But he doesn't. And Brianna, like, says, like, Nova, she says straight up, like, Nova knows she's black and she needs you and your family. She needs to be around your sisters. She does not like her hair. And he's like, oh, yeah, she should definitely come around my sisters. Like, my sisters will make her like her hair. And she's like, okay, so where are your sisters? Like, where is your mom? Like, why are they not around? And Devon's like, no, 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 I swear, like, my mom asks about her all the time. And Brianna's like, okay, so why doesn't she call? 
And I agree. Why the fuck is she not calling? Like, this is her own, apparently her first and only grandchild. Like, I, I don't know. I would like to see his mom on the show. I'm interested to hear her side, but I'm not sure if there is a side. Uh, and Brianna says straight up, if you want to be in Nova's life, you need to try. And I was, like, proud of Brianna here. I thought she, like, stood up for herself well. I think with Devon, she stands up for herself well. Uh, you know, her her sister and her mom are always talking about, like, how she needs to have her voice and, like, she's so quiet and doesn't stand up for herself. But I do think with Devon, she stands up for herself pretty well. Nova comes in and Devon, like, hides and, like, with a blanket over his head. And when he takes it off, she's like, who is this person? <laughs> like, oh, God. And Brianna was like, go give him a hug. And this scene actually, like, made my heart melt a little bit. But Devon, like, gets a big smile on his face and he said, look, you have such pretty hair. You are so beautiful. Your hair is so pretty. And it was, it was really sweet and it was genuine and it wasn't in like, you know, your hair is good, right? Like your mom told me he doesn't, you don't like your hair. Like he just gave her this like sweet, genuine compliment and I loved it. And I don't know, I, Devon, I feel like could be a good father and a good person, but he just doesn't put in the effort. I don't think Devon is like an awful person at heart. He seems nice, funny. He just doesn't care and that does make that does make him a bad person because he's a father and he should care but I feel like if he put in like an inch of effort it would be a lot better so that's it for Brianna this week and let's move on to let's go to Kalen I want to see what Kalen's doing okay so the first scene is so fucking cute Lincoln had colored on a wall and Kale's in the car with Lincoln and Isaac and she's like Isaac like not being mean like laughing she's like Isaac I can't believe that you saw your brother draw on the wall and you didn't stop him or come get me and they all kind of laugh about it and she's like what am I gonna do with you guys and Isaac offers the brilliant cute solution how about we just get rid of Lincoln (laughs) And Kale just laughs and is like, we can't get rid of Lincoln because you two make me laugh too much. It was just so cute. This is what I mean. Like, I think Kale just really loves to be a mom. Like, she's always laughing. She seems to have a lot, like, of fun with her kids. So we get a scene of Kale calling Joe to explain the PFA. And I just want to get a little bit into PFAs because... (laughs) Luckily for you guys, this is something that I personally know about, not through getting one, but in case you didn't know, my college degree is in criminal justice, and I thought I wanted to be a victim's advocate for a while, so I was a volunteer on a rape crisis hotline for about two years. I would do like one night a week or one night every other week, I can't totally remember, and then I did three months as a full-time intern at the Crime Victim Center in my county. So I actually know quite a bit about PFAs, which Pennsylvania calls them PFAs as well. A PFA is a protection from abuse order, and essentially it is the same thing as a restraining order. A PFA is a civil matter. It's not a criminal matter. So usually if there's like a criminal case, a judge will uh, issue a no contact order. But a PFA doesn't involve police. It doesn't involve um, 
needing to go in front of a criminal judge. Essentially, anybody can file a PFA on somebody they had a relationship with. Not on anybody. In Pennsylvania, I would have to look up the specifics in Delaware, but in Pennsylvania, you could only file PFA on a family member, someone you've had a sexual relationship with, and I believe a roommate. I believe a roommate. So you can't just, like, go get a PFA on a neighbor. The fact is they're supposed to be, like, domestic-focused restraining orders. It's really good that they're civil because it allows the victim to kind of be in the court system and protected by the court system without needing to go through the police, which I think anybody that's familiar with domestic violence can understand why that's not okay. So what happens in Pennsylvania, at least, is that you will, and I'm pretty sure it's very similar in Delaware and anywhere that uses a PFA system. So what happens is that you will go in front of a judge, ex parte, which means just one person, just one side of it, the petitioner, the person who wants the PFA. You fill out this packet on why you want the PFA. You go in front of a judge and they will then issue, if they decide it's credible, they'll issue what's known as a temporary PFA. And that lasts for usually between five and 10 days, basically until you can get a hearing. Um, so the... Standard of evidence for getting a temporary PFA is very low. Legally, but also kind of morally and politically, a judge never ever wants to be the person that denies a temporary PFA and then the victim is hurt or, God forbid, murdered. Uh, Most judges are elected. A judge is a very political position and no judge wants to be in that position where they denied a temporary PFA. It's almost always granted because, like I said, this is not a criminal matter. If the PFA doesn't end up going further, it's not on anybody's record. Even if the PFA goes further, it's almost never ends up on anybody's record because it's a civil judgment, essentially. It's like if you get sued in small claims court. It's not part of your criminal record. So a judge will issue the temporary PFA. Uh, The person will be served with it served is the word I'm looking for. The person will be served with it and then they'll go in front of the judge. Now, what usually happens, not usually, but what often happens when they go in front of the judge is that both parties will decide to just agree and consent to the PFA. So there doesn't even end up being a hearing. It's unnecessary to have a hearing and it's, it's not, there's no finding of abuse. So it judge does not say like you are abusive and this person needs a protection from abuse order from you it's a consensual pfa where both parties agree that we will not have contact so what the difference for javi here is that he works in the military and for most people having a pfa against them most likely would not affect their job it's likely their job would never find out um like if i had a PFA, if Theoretically, I had my whole life, but I lived in Pennsylvania and I had a PFA filed against me and it was like found, it was granted a permanent PFA, which in Pennsylvania, and it sounds like in Delaware too, is one year. Um, My job would never even find out. It's not like a criminal arrest. It doesn't go on your background check, as I said. So the issue is, is that Javi works for the military, which theoretically takes domestic violence so seriously and I would assume you would have to report any judgments against you any run-ins with the law any court issues you would have to report to your commanding officers so 
we get a scene of producer JC. Oh, excuse me. Let me back up. So that's what a PFA is, basically. It's a protection from abuse order. It's essentially a civil restraining order, uh, a non-criminal restraining order. And we get a scene of Kale calling Joe to explain why she wants the PFA. And I cannot believe we did not get a flashback montage from the time that Kale used the court system and filed a PFA to punish Javi or to punish Joe, even though she was in the wrong and he hadn't done anything. And if you guys listen to my uh, favorite moments clips, that's the one that I used for Kale because it's just so outrageous and it was really bad. And I could not believe that MTV didn't give us a flashback. I'm like, okay, how do I feel about Kale getting this PFA? I'm on the fence. Um, I think it's kind of crazy that she would get another one on camera. I, I do think that because her one with Joe was so egregious and so wrong that I was like pretty shocked that they would agree to, that she would, not they would agree, that she would want to put that, you know, on TV again. But look. I can see both sides. Do I think getting the PFA was necessary? No, I don't. I, I, I really don't. Do I understand why maybe she thought it was necessary? Yeah. Do I think it was like the worst thing that she could have done? No. Do I think she was like in danger? Not necessarily, but possibly. I do think Javi has a major issue with boundaries. A major issue. Actually, what really should have happened is Kale should have went and got a PFA after we broke into her house. It's like, what should have happened? And I'm, I don't understand why she didn't do it then. That was like when she should have gotten it. But, you know, Javi has this series of behavior, this pattern of behavior that is continuing where he gets mad and feels that he is entitled to speak to Kale. And I can understand if he's broken into her house before, why she feels nervous that he might show up. And he's like, well, I won't do anything. She knows I'm not a threat to her. But the fact is, like, does she know that he's not a threat to her? Because in the past, he's literally broken into her home. And so, like, yeah, I can understand why she's nervous about Javi. I can. I can understand. I don't think Kale's in actual danger, and I don't think this PFA was necessarily necessary. Necessarily necessary. Is, does that even make sense? Can you can those two words go together? But I like I get it, basically. I I get that she feels unsafe, and I think I would too, because Javi is very controlling, and like I said, he has shown over and over and over again that he doesn't care about boundaries. So basically the terms are that they can't see or talk to one another unless it's about Lincoln. We see a scene of JC the producer going over to Javi's house and Javi's like basically like this is bullshit. We got into a Twitter argument and I did realize like Javi had a grin on his face when he said they got into a Twitter argument because like I don't think Javi feels like he's done anything wrong. And you know what? That is, like, a mark for me in, like, Kale should get a PFA because I feel like Javi truly thinks he has done nothing wrong this whole time. I don't think he thinks breaking into the house is wrong. I don't think he thinks blowing up her phone one million times is wrong. I don't think he thinks threatening to come over to the house is wrong. I don't think Javi, 
I think he thinks he's perfectly justified in all his behavior, and that's pretty scary. So he was pretty shocked when he got the PFA because he hasn't threatened her. Because I think Javi thinks the only way he'd be wrong is if, like, he physically threatened Kale's safety. And Kale obviously disagrees with that. He's mad because it could fuck up his job. And, you know, that then affects Lincoln. And that I understand. And that's the one one of the major reasons I feel like Kale shouldn't have gotten this. Uh, because she could have fucked up his job. And I, I'm not sure it was at the level of needing to possibly fuck up his job. I, it's just hard because in the past we know Kale's the one that's hit Javi. We know Kale hit Joe and we know Kale erroneously filed a PFA against Joe. So it's pretty hard for me to sit here and give Kale the benefit of the doubt. And that might make me victim blamey, but it's kind of hard to discuss the topics in this show occasionally without being victim blamey. And I recognize that and I might be part of the problem but I'm trying to be very fair here and look at all sides because I just feel like it's not interesting if we pre- sit here and pretend like we can't discuss what really, what we think happened. And I'm not sure if this was at the level of abuse or aggression or danger necessary that Kale would want to put his job in jeopardy. Because a dishonorable discharge from the military is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And Javi, for everything he's done, he doesn't deserve a dishonorable discharge. For everything that we've seen. And you know what? I will say it's possible that, like, we just haven't seen the most of it. Kale does say, like, you guys don't see what he's like. And, you know, it's possible. But I'm just not sure if, like, your ex calling your phone 20 times in one day is, like, worth potentially blowing up his military career. I, I don't know. This is, like, a really touchy subject, and I'm trying to be, like, fair and honest from all sides. You know, I, I really am. So, uh, Kale goes to court, and I hope you all noticed her court outfit, which was a camo shirt. It was a very bizarre. Javi came in a suit, you know, as one does. It was kind of ill-fitting, but it was a suit, and Kale was, like, in her most cash clothes. That didn't make any sense to me. But she calls Sterling and says that she is worried about him coming to the house and maybe if she gets the PFA, he'll take her seriously. Which, oh, that language isn't great, especially with Kale's past. But I guess I got what she was saying. So in the end, they got what's called a consensual PFA and that the judge did not have to rule uh, that there was any finding of abuse so it wouldn't impact Javi's job in any way. And it stands for a year and... Javi did say, like, it doesn't go for Kale and that it's only for me, which I found interesting. I feel like Kale should be held to the same standards as him because we know she's been abusive in the past. And I think it'd be good for both of them. But I don't know. I think in the end, like, them having a non or them having a consensual PFA is like, it's okay. It's okay. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the extended version of this episode. Come on over to patreon.com slash evpsychos. Love you all. Have a great week. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. 
Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussions.